I, uh, I think we should do that every time I walk up to the pulpit. <laughs> Friends, this story, um, as Barb told you, is called the Transfiguration. And it appears in three of the four Gospels. It appears in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. Um, and every year, we read it, or hear it, or share it, or explore it, wrestle with it, on this Sunday. We call this Transfiguration Sunday. Um, it is the last Sunday before the season of Lent. And I think there is great wisdom in giving to us a story that reminds us of the light and the power and the wonder of Jesus before we come down off that mountaintop and spend six weeks in the valley of Lent, in this journeying time towards the cross and the resurrection. So I think this story is a gift and like so many gifts of Jesus and so many stories of Jesus, it is a puzzlement. It is a wonder. It is a story with which I really wrestled this week um, because different uh, gospels, of course, tell it slightly differently. Luke's telling of this story, I found really puzzling because I wondered to myself, well, what, what was the point of it? They go up the mountain, they have a vision, they come back down, and it's almost like it never happened. Here's what I think. I think Luke's telling of this story gives us two things. One, it gives us an illustration of the way that God will plant seeds in our lives that do not bear blossom or fruit or harvest until much, much later. I think it is also a gentle cautionary tale about why God might not always speak to us or act in our lives as clearly and explicitly as we would like. So let's go through this and unpack what I mean. So, for, so before they go up this mountain, Jesus has done a couple of things in this chapter. He has fed the 5,000, which by the way, is the only story that appears in all four gospels. Feeding the 5,000 is the only one that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all put in their gospels. So he feeds the 5,000. Then he has a conversation with the disciples in which he asks, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter for once gets it right and says, you are the Messiah, the son of God, the Messiah of God. And then Jesus tells them, if you want to become my followers, deny yourselves, take up your cross daily and follow me. 
For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. Now, I don't think Jesus is only talking literally there. I think he's saying that we all are going to die to our old lives in order to find new life and hope and love and all kinds of healing in Jesus. But that's the precursor to going up this mountain. So the disciples have seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. They have confessed to him, you are the Messiah. You are the one for whom we have been waiting and longing. And he tells them, you're going to have to lose your life in order to find new life in me. Then they go up the mountain. And what is described on this mountain is, is really a mystical experience. It's the kind of thing where it's the kind of experience for which we can't quite find words that, that we're not quite sure what happened, but we know it was significant. So Jesus is praying and this is where he is transfigured, right? He's not transformed. So he's still Jesus. He's still the same person. He is exactly the same, except he looks different. So his, his figure, his face looks different and his clothes are dazzling white. So here, I actually think is a little bit of buried humor. Because this is exactly what you would expect from what we call a mountaintop experience, right? This is, this is the heavens opening. Jesus' face changes and his clothes become dazzling white. You know, it's like in those old Philadelphia cream cheese commercials. You know, the, oh, you know it's, it's white, it's shining, it's dazzling. Moses and Elijah show up. The two greatest teachers in the Jewish faith, Moses, who led the people of slavery into freedom and gave the teaching, the Torah, Elijah, the greatest of the Jewish prophets. So this is like, for us, this is like if John Wesley and John Calvin showed up and suddenly started talking, the two founders of, of our founding faiths. He appeared in glory. I mean, it's just, you know, like light everywhere. And we're speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now, in Greek, with the word, language in which this was written, the word that is translated as departure is exodus. And exodus, if you're a Jewish hearer and you're hearing a story, exodus, you know, sets off all kinds of fireworks because the exodus is the central story of the Jewish faith of liberation. So you've got Jesus shining, you've got Moses and Elijah, and you've got them talking about a new exodus. And what do Peter and James and John do? And they kind of have to prop an eyelid open. They fall asleep. Like, I don't know how much more direct God can be. Oh, except that God gets more direct. They saw his glory and the two men who were with him. And then afterwards, a cloud came and overshadowed them, which is the glory of the presence of God. So it's like God is standing right there. And then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. 
God is giving them a smack upside the head. Here, right here, this is it. And they kept silent and in those days told no one of any of the things they had seen. So God pretty much hands to them on a platter this moment of the clouds parting, of God being right there in front of them, of the greatest teachers of the faith coming down, lights everywhere. And they don't get it. They have to be wakened because they're almost sleeping through it. Because what happens next? They go ahead and show how they're not listening to Jesus. So before this, Jesus has healed for us, has fed 5,000, has said, and they've said, yes, you're the Messiah. He's told them, you have to take up your cross, follow me, lose your life in order to find it. And then what happens? Verse 46, same chapter. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. You know, like Jesus is just saying, I don't know how much clearer I can make this for you. You have to lose your life and your, take up your cross and put away your ego and your fears. And he says, you have to be like a little child. And then later in the chapter, Jesus is setting out for Jerusalem and they have to pass through Samaria which is an area of, of people who are hostile to Jewish people and um, they refused to receive him. And when his disciples, James and John saw it, who were up on top of the mountain, James and John said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Oh my gosh, guys. So this is, comforting to know that those first disciples who were right there had everything put right in front of their eyes and still whoosh, over their head it goes. They keep getting it wrong. And yet Jesus does not say, oh my gosh, you're fired. You know, you're no longer my disciples. I'm going to get new ones. I'm done with you. He keeps them around. So this is good news for all of us who miss those mountaintop moments, who say when God is trying to tell us something very, very clearly, who say, no, 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 God, it's okay. No, really, I've got it. I know you're saying it's not a good idea for me to marry this person, but honestly, I can fix it. I can handle it. God, I know you're saying I have to quit this job and get out of it, but no, 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 I've got it. I've got it. All those moments that God has come to us and done everything but grab us by the shirt collar and said, you need to go this way. And we've said, that's an interesting suggestion. Thank you. I'll go this way. We're not the first. We're not the first. We won't be the last. And we are not abandoned. But I think also 
This is for all the other moments in which we say, oh my gosh, I really, God, I could really use some help here. I could really use some direction. I could really, I mean, would it kill you to just send me a memo, you know, leave me a voicemail, maybe these days send me a text, tell, outlining for me exactly what I do? Well, I think God might point to this story and say, yeah, but when I do that, it doesn't always work because you don't always listen. And so this story is an example and a reminder of our blessed and hilarious human frailty and why God speaks to us in so many ways, subtle and not so subtle. And as I started with, it's an example of the seed God plants at the beginning that only bears fruit later. Because it's only much, much, much later in this story, after the resurrection, that the disciples get it. It's only way later in the book of Acts, after Jesus has said, well, you got this now, I'll see you later. And the disciples now have to be the first church, that they get it. It's only much, much later that these disciples look back to this story and say, oh, that was Jesus telling us who he was and that he was with us with all the glory and all the power and all the faith and all the teachings of our whole heritage. This was God coming to us and saying, this is the guy to listen to. I think we all have moments that we, on which we look back years, maybe decades later and say, oh, now it makes sense. Or we all have moments where we look back and say, well, I'm not sure it makes sense, but here's now I can see what it taught me. Or looking back and saying, oh, that's what my mom meant when she said that. Or, oh, my dad was right. We all have those gifts, those gifts that travel with us through time. And so I think this story that comes to us as we prepare to enter Lent, as we prepare to journey, this story reminds us there are so many blessings that go with us that are maturing and ripening and growing into full harvest. There are so many gifts that are going to make themselves clear years later. And there are so many gifts that even if we fail to see them or fail to understand them or drop them and break them at the time, will be given back to us in the memories they hold. So friends, as we go into Lent, as we go into this journey towards the cross and the resurrection, as we go through our lives, let us not be afraid for the glory and the light and the power and the love of God manifested in Jesus accompany us in all things. 
Thanks be to God.